Hello, Spanish lovers. Welcome to Spanish We Do, a show about everything and anything that can be done in Spanish. You can find the people behind this show if you go to www.spanishwedo.com or you can find us on Twitter and that kind of thing. Instagram too. That's all in the description of the episode. This episode is part two of my conversation with Michael Jenkins, who is from the U.S. and in the mid-90s went for a couple of weeks to Costa Rica, stayed for 16 years, he knew nothing about Spanish, and in the second part, we're going to talk about Spanish as a language. How was learning for him? His experience, of course, is of someone living in a country that speaks Spanish. That ha that's how he learned. He knew nothing when he got there. He knew what he called Taco Bell Spanish. I mean, in the menu. So we'll talk a little bit about that, complications, uh, the feminine and masculine thing with words in Spanish. And we also go a little bit more into how is Costa Rica like as a society, people, display of energy, how energetic are people there? And since he's been back in the U.S. for over 10 years now, what does he miss about Costa Rica? Do you want a hint? A lot. So let's do this. Vamos. Okay, so what's your connection with the Spanish nowadays? <laughs> um, wow. I mean, as I mentioned, I, I don't have a lot of opportunities these days to speak Spanish. Um, okay, there is a Mexican restaurant here uh, in town, and so that's... When we go there, we will speak Spanish with, with the woman who, you know, at the restaurant, the waitress or whatever. Um, and that we really enjoy that. But outside of that, there's not a lot of opportunity. Uh, I mean, obviously I could take effort on my, to myself to maybe try and find people or to do something online. But in the reality of day-to-day -day living, I have very little interaction in Spanish. Um, on the work side, you know, it's like what we talked about, some work I do with you and others, uh, creating Spanish language, um, Uh, training modules, things like this. Um, and that's about it. Um, you know, I will say that in where we live here in Iowa, you know, it, it, it's basically, I don't know, 94, 95% white. It's a very Caucasian um, state. Um, but there are more and more Hispanics living here now. Yeah. And there are pockets of them. There's a, you know, and you will now see in any town of most sizes, a Latin American market, which you didn't maybe used to see so much before. Um, and there's certain towns that are, I think even majority or close to it, uh, Spanish speakers now, oh, certain yeah? places. Um, honestly, uh, in some cases here in Iowa, because of it's a very agricultural state, a lot of pork processing. Yeah. Um, and those factories, uh, they draw in a lot of people from uh, other countries like that. And so there's pockets of that here. And, and just to get a feeling, it, it, like you can say it as, I don't know, delicate, delicately, or, 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 I don't know, abrupt as you, as you want. But when other people from the U.S. and then, let's say, white Americans find mm -hmm. out you speak Spanish at the level you do, which is, mm -hmm. to them would be probably impressive, is it like a positive reaction? Oh, oh I'd like, I'd love to do that. Or is it... Come on, what for? Oh, no. If it, if, it, if it comes up like that, it's always the former reaction. It's I've never gotten a negative reaction for speaking Spanish or people learning that I do speak Spanish. It's always, oh, really? Oh, that must be nice. Or that's great. Or, you know, something like that. It's uh, Yeah. I don't recall ever getting a negative reaction for it. 
And just as a general feeling, do you think that has evolved with time, maybe in the last three, four decade, decades in the, in the U.S.? I'm sure it has. I mean, obviously, the, the Hispanic population has grown and more and more of the country has Hispanic living in this country, in the United States. Um, obviously, Southern California, Texas, Arizona, and so forth, Florida, much bigger presence than Iowa. Yeah. Um, and so here it's a little bit newer and more novel. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. I think it's a mixed bag. I mean, obviously, you know, without going into politics, there are some politics around this. Um, and some people do not, you know, look fondly on people from other countries, countries and cultures coming yeah. here and so forth, as you probably were. Um, you know, my opinion is that this country, there's no official language, nor do I think there should be. It's supposed to be a, a quote unquote melting pot of many cultures yeah. and nations. And so, you know, okay, English is the predominant language and historically was, but that doesn't mean it always has to be or should be the only language. Uh, I find it just uh, generates a, a more rich experience and, and nation to have all these different people from different places. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and yeah, I find it sad when some people find it a negative thing, but, you know, that's just a difference of opinion, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, that can, that kind of thing exists everywhere, and yeah. and just just even even beyond language, like within countries that speak speak the same language, people from other countries who also speak the same language, but they're foreigners mm. and, and that kind of thing. Yep. That that yep. seems to be part of the human experience, and hopefully yeah. it's something that we can hope keeps evolving towards the positive. Or well, of course they're going to be two two steps ahead, one step back. That kind of thing is going to happen. Yeah, but, yeah, that's true. Well. It, Cultural changes are quite slow, and well, they don't always seem to be for the better. But okay, yeah, <laughs> not, not much control we have over it, or except maybe something like this. This kind of conversation might be interesting and, and positive in that sense. Hopefully, now yeah. that's not to say, and just to be clear, there are not bad people who speak Spanish. Oh, I mean, yeah. All languages have uh, people who do negative things and fantastic things as well. So true. Let's keep that in mind, all of us. Okay, now let's segue into your... Oh, just to close the language part. What would you advise to someone wanting to learn Spanish? Um, of course, maybe going to live in the country, in a country, but what if they can't? They, they're just where they are. Uh, what maybe is there like a bump, unexpected bump you found, found uh, along the way that you could have some kind of advice about? I mean, as you mentioned, you know, the, putting yourself in the middle of a, a foreign language culture would be obviously the easiest and best way to, to, to learn language if you were wanting to do that. But outside of that, um, I guess any advice would be, just be find anybody you can to actually interact with on a real personal level. You know, I mean, books are great and tapes are great and all that stuff, I guess. I never really did it like that. Um, but it's actually training your ear and your tongue to interact with another person is, uh, and you know, and just don't be shy, just make mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes, of course you are. Um, I mean, I can think <laughs> numerous times where I said things that I found out later were embarrassing yeah. <laughs> in Spanish that maybe I didn't realize at the moment, but then found out and well, yeah, well, oops. And well, I can think of and, one and, I did in English just when I yeah. went to, to Canada, but there's one very specific. Like in Spanish, as you probably know, there's only one word To, for the for the adjectives boring and being bored. There's just one. It's the same mm -hmm. one. 
So I kept using the boring one. Uh, and in class, I would say I was boring. So I think it took a while before anyone told me, well, I don't oh. think that's what you're wanting to say. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that oh, yeah. happens. That happens all the time. Oh, just one question about that. It, conjugation, difficult thing. But how did you do or how do you feel currently about the gender of, of words in Spanish, like being masculine or feminine and that kind of thing? How do I feel about it? Yeah. How, how do you uh, approach it or how do you deal with it when you were learning? Like, the tree, oh. el árbol, is masculine. Come on, what's masculine oh. about a tree? That kind of thing. Wow. You know, uh, my daughter is taking Spanish in high school, and, and this comes up when I'm trying to help her. You know, she'll go, but why, you know, why why Spanish? Or, I'm oh, sorry, excuse me, why masculine yeah. or feminine? That word obviously should be the opposite or whatever. And I'm like, I have no idea. It probably goes back hundreds of thousands of years. It's just the way languages develop in an odd way that just happens to Yeah. whatever. Uh, so I didn't really worry too much about that. It, you know, just trying to learn them as I learned the word, of course, you know, there's all the things that will throw you up like el agua. I mean, come on, why? El? Right. I mean, I kind of know why, but things like that are just, wow. Okay. Maybe, maybe more difficult? Let's, just, let's just do a short explanation about that for anyone listening and doesn't know this, because maybe I can give you one additional, uh, piece of information about that. That I did not know until I came to live in Spain. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Agua. Agua, by all common sense rules of Spanish, let's say, and also grammatical rules, should be a feminine because it's agua ending with an A. Most are feminine, so it would feel mm -hmm. like uh, la selva, which is the jungle. Yeah. It's feminine, and many others, and many other words. But agua is not la agua. It's supposed right. to be said el agua. The reason for that is to avoid something called cacophony, which is mm -hmm. two vowels, the same two vowels, A, yep. together. And this first A uh, being the stressed uh, syllable of the word. It's like agua. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. saying la agua, uh, I guess it came to be, well, I don't know, naturally, or someone decided at some point, uh, said, okay, to avoid that sound, that cacophony, that ah, 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 Let's, those words have to be el, that one has to be el agua. But that does not mean the word is masculine. The word is still feminine. Mm -hmm. So right, because like las you, aguas, plural, it changes to las. Yes, that's right. Las aguas would be feminine. It's just to avoid that cacophony. And another mm -hmm. example is if you wanted to say the hot water, in Spanish is very flexible about word order. You could say el mm -hmm. agua caliente, but you could also mm -hmm. put caliente ahead. Mm -hmm. But if you say caliente agua, you would have to say la, la caliente agua. Mm -hmm. Following yeah. those rules, because those two vowels, those A, those two A's are not yep. together. But, okay, that I know it sounds sort of confusing, but many people in Spanish would say la caliente agua still, even mm -hmm. though it would be formally wrong following that rule. <laughs> but See. something that's interesting and that I realized only after moving to Spain is that most people in Spain say it wrong. <laughs> they say, eh, they say la agua. It, it happened just with weapon, arm, arma. Uh -huh. it's, so, it's supposed to be el arma, oh. but they say la arma. Okay, and what about... How did it happen? Why I don't know. And everyone, and, sorry, yes? Oh, so I was just wondering about another one, why el dia? I wondered about that one. That I don't think that like, one has a has a reason. There yeah. is 
LDA, I don't know. I really don't know. And I don't know if anyone knows. Maybe there is some etymology to follow to find a reason for that. Yeah. But many are just random. They have no reason. And, mm -hmm. and one way to, I, I would say, to sort of prove that is that Portuguese and Spanish are sibling languages. Mm -hmm. And Arbol, as I mentioned, is masculine in Spanish, but feminine in Portuguese. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> no justification for that. Huh. None. So, well, yes, you're going to, if you're learning Spanish, you're going to encounter that. Just learn along the way and know that most of the time, if you say it wrong, it's going to sound cute or maybe a little funny. And, and, but people would, I don't think, would give you a hard time for that. No, and I will to answer, to continue with the answer to your question about what would you, you know, uh, recommend or what your advice is to people learning Spanish um, is, and I mentioned, you know, try and interact with people and actually learn, you know, talk to someone if you can on the phone or in person. And my experience is that, I mean, I don't remember many times when people made me feel bad about being bad at Spanish. It was always more encouraging and wow, at least you're trying and hey, you're doing great, you know, even though it's not perfect. But thank you for trying and you know keep up the good work kind of attitude i didn't yeah. get oh gee you suck and don't try anymore yeah you know, yeah very, yeah yeah very that's nice that's more of, a, of an inner discourse that's something <laughs> <laughs> you we human beings tell ourselves rather than yeah. than other people but i'm just at the point that you know you may be embarrassed but i think most people are very understanding and, and helpful uh, rather than uh, you know deride you or something yeah. Uh, so your your daughter is learning Spanish. Uh, is, was that? Uh, you know what? Uh, we were she was born in Costa Rica, think, right? She was born in Costa Rica, and they were they were there until she was about in, I think, second or third grade. So she was actually speaking bilingually up until that point. But when we moved back to the states, again, there was no incentive or pressure in a sense to continue yeah. with it. So a lot of that was forgotten, unfortunately. And in retrospect, I think she's a little bit sad about it. But now you know she's taking some in high school again. And her accent is excellent, but she just doesn't remember all the words so well. Um, so, you know, I think she could pick it up fairly easily. Oh, I'm uh, sure. In time. I'm but, sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, let's segue into the social part of it. When you moved to Costa Rica and, and you like, what did you like about it? What, what, I mean, wow. when you made the decision, was it mm -hmm. rather like, let's, let's just change the environment. We want to live in a different place. We loved that very uh, jungly area, nature and all that kind of thing. Or did it have anything to do also with culture, anyone you met? I think, as I mentioned, that the first incentive was just a change of lifestyle to try something different, experience a different way of living and stuff like this. It wasn't specific to Costa Rica or to Latin America or Spanish, um, but upon getting there, it quickly turned into that because, excuse me, um, I mean, I, there's so many things I like about Costa Rica. I, I, the culture, the people are wonderful. They're very darling people, very sweet. Um, I love learning the language. The nature there is amazing, especially where we were living. It was up in the cloud forest. It was absolutely stunningly gorgeous. I personally like the weather quite a bit. It's rather rainy much yeah. of the year, but uh, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of cold and snow, and so that, that was a big plus for me. Um, and yeah, just uh, I don't know, just a feeling. Uh, uh, before you know, moving there, we were in Washington D.C., which is a big city and politics and all that stuff, and it was very much a change of pace, and which I really appreciated. It was a real chance to, I don't know, have more time, even though we were busy with our restaurant. We were together and we were doing something together and doing something different. And it was a, it was a kind of a bit of an adventure, I guess you'd say, uh, which was very appealing. 
Yeah, of course, there, there was a big change, not only from from culture to culture, but also to the type of place where you were living, as you mentioned, Washington, D.C., oh, gosh, completely yeah. different thing, a very urban area. Yeah, in, we were I right guess, downtown in, in, in D.C., and then we moved to a very rural area, basically in the cod forest. Yeah, you know, very, very different. Yeah, and I'm sure, of course, there are going to be differences as well between people from San Jose, the capital of Costa Rica, and people in those in those areas. But yeah. in, in comparison, and maybe also uh, uh, harnessing your experience with different type of, of guests in in the restaurant from different countries in Latin America, mm -hmm. if if you would have to say the level of energy like uh, someone in Cos from Costa Rica from the country. Uh, behaves or, or speaks even, mm -hmm. would you say is high energy, standard, rather soft and slow? And I'm asking this because uh, talking to different people uh, from Spanish-speaking countries like the Caribbean, Argentina, Paraguay, uh, Honduras, mm -hmm. the, the level of display of energy is different. So do, do you have a feeling, a sense about that? I guess I would say, you know, obviously within any country, there's going to be some people who are more yeah. exuberant and much others more calm and you know, tranquilo or whatever. Um, but in general, uh, just from experiencing, you know, numerous Spanish speakers, uh, yeah, I'd say overall it's pretty mellow there and pretty easygoing. Uh, the whole, I don't know if you're familiar, the whole Pura Vida is like the cultural catchphrase there it's yeah said pura, every day pura vida people, is, is so how are you doing vida. oh pura vida it's just yeah. a phrase and it you know, means pure life literally yeah. but it really is more of an expression of everything's cool everything's good and that's kind of really how people live there uh, and so i think the language reflects that yeah and 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 did you like that was that oh gosh yeah what you were looking oh, for yeah. or, or maybe uh, something great you found and you were not expecting or even looking for it hmm I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was a big draw to keep, you know, I was there for so long. Uh, I mean, we only had the restaurant for two years and then uh, went back later and worked at a yoga retreat center and then later had our own oh, yoga center yeah. and so forth like this. Also in uh, a very, so, very natural area? Uh, the yoga place was more in the Central Valley, very close to uh, San Jose and Alabuela where the airport is. It was that, so it was, it was up a little bit, but it was definitely more in the... Uh, Civilized, not civilized, but, you know, a populated area. Yeah. Um, and so that was, you know, a different experience again. Uh, again, most of our clients were Americans, you know, tourists and so forth, uh, yoga, uh, tourism kind of thing. Uh, but then later we opened our own yoga center and spa and so forth back in Monteverde. And so yeah. we kind of shifted and went, you know, tried a few different things there. Um, but overall, yeah, overall, the, you know, it, it's, The pace is different, the, the, the attitude is a little different. And on the whole, yeah, I found a very uh, positive experience. I, I like that a lot more in general. Than yeah, I, I had the feeling that that might be, that. yeah, that, that might be, I mean, about the, the pace of, of, of life, because I've heard people from, well, in particular Venezuela, where I come from, but also from Colombia, at least from Bogota, from the capital, who have lived in San Jose, which is the capital yeah. of Costa Rica, which is, I, I don't know, probably the most urban part of the country. Yes. And and at first they get desperate. <laughs> they say like... Desperate for... People are so slow for everything. 
they they're never in a rush. They never want to get fast anywhere. So I guess that that has a lot to do with the way people live in big cities because both of these people were from one from Caracas, another one from Bogota, big cities mm -hmm. both. And and well, I guess the difference, the change when you go to Costa Rica, even San Jose is is large. But it's very interesting to see how your environment in in part culturally, but also your environment, how how things move around you, and even the weather at times, I guess, uh, can affect how you behave in general. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, to put it simply, you know, we were up in the mountains for the most part, but then there were the beaches of Costa Rica, very famous, of course, yeah. beautiful. Um, but it's a whole different feel and culture down there too, in a sense, you know, just the difference between, like you might say, mountain people and beach people. Yes. It's, you know, it's not, it's not the same. I mean, while we loved going to the beach and we did so regularly, we never felt a strong pull to want to live there. It felt for us, you know, a little cooler weather up in the forest and everything was more appealing in general, even though the beach was lovely, it's a whole different environment, you know, even within a small country. How old was your daughter when you moved back to the, to the States? Oh, I think the, probably around 10-ish. I, I don't remember exactly, something like this. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, I mean, in, be, be yourself and uh, even with her, maybe experience with the school. Any any cultural clashes uh, happening when you came? Well, you of course had your previous experience, uh, but she was native, even though within the family, but native yeah. of of Costa Rica. What things mm -hmm. would you say if if there were any that were culturally at the least different, but maybe complicated at times? If there were any. The only thing I can think of is that when we were, when she was in school in Costa Rica, and like I mentioned, she was, you know, basically bilingual and uh, the, the classes she was in, you know, even in grade school, there were with other people, mostly from Costa Rica uh, in the school she was in and it was a bilingual school and, you know, she just was kind of there. I mean, in one sense, she was a little bit unique because more, you know, she was blonde and so forth like that, which was not the norm there so much. Um, and, and so in that way, she was a little bit different. But when we moved, uh, we moved first to Santa Fe, New Mexico from Costa Rica upon returning. And even though that area is heavily Latino, it, there's a lot of Latino you know, influence there as well. But, and you know, obviously many people speak Spanish there, but in, yeah. when she got to that school, the, her new school in Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, they didn't offer Spanish, nobody spoke Spanish. And so I think that kind of, made her feel like she didn't want to be the one who stuck out as a Spanish speaker. She wanted to fit in. And so that's part of the reason I think why, you know, her Spanish ability waned a little bit over time because it wasn't something she really wanted to, 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 sh to show or, or, you know, be different, uh, be noted. Yeah. Yeah. And that now. age in particular, of course, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's very, very important to yeah. when, when you're growing up like, within yeah. the group and yeah, that kind of thing. And did you find any, any, like, at least, Did you have to get used to different things when you when you went back to the U.S.? Like, were did, were you going back to live in a city again in an urban area? Well, Santa Fe, it's a medium-sized city, maybe seventy, eighty thousand people. So not teeny like we were in, but not giant, you know, New York City or anything like this. Um, wow, I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, certain things really stuck out as different. Um, some things were much easier here. 
just access to things, uh, government things. There wasn't as much bureaucracy and red tape, yeah. uh, which is very much the case. <laughs> it can be very frustrating in Costa Rica. I can speak to personally, having had a business there. It, Could it be a slow thing also? Yeah, uh, yeah. In Costa Rica, yes. Things okay. are very bureaucratic and everything. A lot of stuff still done on typewriters rather than computers. Uh, not in every case, but yeah. you know, regularly. Um, I remember when she was born, we had to go down to the Registry of Seville, which is like, I don't know, the National Registry to, to, for her birth, to get a birth certificate from Costa Rica. Giant lines took all day and they were doing it on typewriters. Um, you know, it just, you know, and, and but like you know, getting her driver's license in Costa Rica, you know, it was a bit of a process. Yeah. Whereas when we went to Santa Fe, okay, it took an hour or two, it wasn't a big deal and it was pretty easy. Uh, so that stuff is somewhat easier. Um, other things, you know, again, the faster pace, all this stuff was a bit jarring at first. Uh, we weren't used to that. Um, the speed of traffic, it sounds silly maybe, but, you know, things are a lot faster. People drive faster here. Right. It just is the truth. And how long did it take you to, to maybe feel, okay, and, and forget about all those things and oh. not even be part of your, of your thinking? I mean, in a sense, you know, probably within a year or so, it was like that. But I will admit, you know, even today, I think about my time in Costa Rica regularly. There's a lot of things I very much miss about it. And part of me would like to move back there tomorrow if I could. Um, what what, you know, what are those th what, those things? What things come to mind? Oh, gosh, everything from the weather to the beauty to the culture to being around Spanish all the time. Um, I mean, it's stupid little things like just having the Comedia Tipica, the Gallo Pinto, things like this, that yeah. are just a part of your everyday life there that are just simply not here at all. Okay, and so you mentioned typical food, Comida Tipica, and now Gallo Pinto. Maybe to those who have no idea, tell us what it is and oh, why you well, miss it. Uh, <laughs> Gallo Pinto is basically, uh, my understanding uh, is, you know, rice and beans are a big staple in Costa Rica, rice and black beans. Yeah. Um, it's eaten with almost literally every dinner uh, for most people traditionally. Um, and then there's usually leftovers. And so in the morning for breakfast, you would mix together rice and beans and some what they call olores, like a little cilantro, a little uh, onion, a little mm -hmm. uh, red pepper, et cetera. And you fry it up and mix it all together and serve maybe with eggs or plantain or something like this. And it's just very comforting. I don't know how to say it. Uh, it's very traditional, very simple, but very comforting. And having been there so long, we ate that a lot. And it's something I miss. And we, we, we make it at home, of course. I was going to ask that. Uh, yeah, we make it at home. We like to cook. How um, does it compare? It's delicious. You know, <laughs> and, and it's wonderful. It's just more of the fact that it's literally at any restaurant almost you could go to in Costa Rica any time of day. You could find, you know, rice beans or gaipinto. And it's just something because I guess the length of time we were there and uh, the fact that I really adored being there, I, that things, little things like that, I really miss. Yeah, I was getting the feeling all throughout this conversation about Costa Rica that that you sort of missed that. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe I guess you maybe you moved back. Why did you move back? Practical reasons mostly, or uh, yeah, combination. Some of it financial. <laughs> yeah, admit uh, we had a business there, and it was this run 2008 with the whole financial crisis happened in the world. Back oh yeah, then. made it. Let's just say challenging. Um, you say you tourism. were going, you were moving to back to the states. I was moving to Spain. At yeah, the same time. so it's partly uh, the financial situation and partly uh, because, again, as I mentioned, Monteverde is a very small community, um, very touristic, but the community itself is maybe, I don't know, less than a thousand people or so. Mm. You know, it's a very small town, but with a lot of tourism. Uh, 
but because of that, you know, there, there, there's not a lot there because it's small by nature, right? Right. Um, so part of it, I think, was also wanting to give our daughter some opportunities that maybe weren't available in Monteverde, for you know, in particular. Um, ballet classes come to mind, things like that. Yeah. It's not <laughs> available there, you know, but it was in Santa Fe. Yeah, but yeah, I was getting that feeling. So you said it out loud and I said, okay, yes, I had that feeling. And yeah, you do miss Costa Rica, but I guess you don't only miss it. I guess you also have, you are fond of it or, or sort of love the country in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we toy with the idea of maybe sometime moving back there. Of course, it's always uh, paired with the idea, gee, you know, we, we, while we love it, we've done that. Wouldn't it be nice to try something different? Yeah. You know, oh, well, any advice to anyone thinking about moving to Costa Rica after all this situation with the pandemic goes away? Oh, um, it's a wonderful country. I, I would say, you know, try and be open to what's there rather than trying to bring what you think it should be there. So don't try and change things there, except things that the way they are, because it's a different country for a reason. It's not, you know, some people come to the country and then think, oh, they're not doing it the right way. They should do it like, like they do where I'm from. And that doesn't work. It's not it's not your country, it's their, you know, yeah, that right, country. Right. And, that applies uh, to every country, so, of course, yes. Right, and yes, that's yes. one thing. And the second thing is, learn the, learn the language. You'll, it's well worth the effort. Oh yeah, and it, it opens a lot of doors to other languages also oh, gosh, if you want yeah. to, because, well, it's a very interesting, languages are a very interesting things. It, it define, they define us as, as human beings in a lot of ways, or influence us, even in the, in the way we think, a lot, a lot, a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and just thinking yeah. in different languages opens up Different perspective. You know, well, thinking in a, in a second language, that's also a border you cross and you say, okay, uh, I'm doing well. So that's good. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Those two things. Mm, okay, just to, to well, th thank you for sharing that and, and telling us all, the, all those things about your family and, and, and your experience over there. And I'm sure anyone from Costa Rica who, who hears this conversation, uh, is going to smile because hearing you <laughs> hearing you talk about your experience in Costa Rica. So thank you for that. And that's episode two, which maybe you heard while packing your bags before leaving for Costa Rica. <laughs> I sure feel like it listening to Michael. But that's not all. We are going to episode three, which is going to be completely different. Because, as I mentioned before, Michael Jenkins, my guest in these last two episodes, was uh, the first non-native Spanish speaker to come into the show. But also, he's the first client brave enough to come into the show. So we're going to talk about that in the next episode. I'll see you there. Allá nos vemos.